0: TED Audio Collective. At the end of each year, I choose a word that captures how I want to approach life in the upcoming year. In 2022, my word was amazement. I wanted to walk through life amazed at both the big and little wonders that were present all around me, like how in November we still had leaves on the trees, or how my nephew finally beat me in one-on-one basketball. He's almost six feet, and I knew it would happen one day, but it's been amazing to watch his skills progress and his love of the sport rival mine. Adopting a word and changing my perspective helped make 2022 an incredible year for me. And while I learned how to conjure up a feeling of amazement in myself, I've been wondering, what are some ways we can amaze others? I'm Madupa Akinola. This is Ted Business. Our speaker today is author and restaurateur Will Gadara. He formerly co-owned Eleven Madison Park, a Michelin-star restaurant in New York City. In this talk, Will explains how no matter what industry you work in, you can craft extraordinary moments centered in human connection. Then after the talk, I'll share a process that can help you amaze people at work. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending, Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing.
1: Hey, Ted Business listeners, we're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts.
3: For nearly a decade, I owned and operated a restaurant called Eleven Madison Park. To give you some context, if you don't know what that is, Eleven Madison is a very fancy restaurant on the corner of 24th and Madison here in New York City. I mean like very fancy. We're talking servers wearing suits and ties, like crisp, ironed, white tablecloths, more than 30 cooks in the kitchen, serving like 10, 15 course tasting menus. I think you get the gist. When I got there in 2006, it was kind of a middling brasserie. But by the time I sold it at the beginning of 2020, it had been named the number one restaurant in the world. Right. Thank you. Now, to be clear, our, our kitchen served unbelievably delicious and incredibly innovative food. Our service was so gracious and as close to technically perfect as possible. And our dining room, I mean, just Google a picture. It's one of the most beautiful out there. And it was because of those reasons that we were consistently on the list of the 50 best restaurants in the world. But it was a hot dog that earned us the number one spot on that list. Or rather, the winning strategy that it gave birth to. Unreasonable hospitality. The principle that guided us as we took ordinary transactions and turned them into extraordinary experiences. In early 2010, on a busier-than-normal lunch service, I was in the dining room helping out the servers when I found myself clearing appetizers from a table of four foodies on vacation to New York. And they were going to the airport to head back home after their meal. I overheard them talking. What an amazing trip. We've been to all the best restaurants. And they listed a bunch. Uh, Per Se, Le Bernardin, Danielle, Momofuku, now 11 Madison Park. Then another person jumped in. Yeah, but the only thing we didn't get to try was a New York City hot dog. You know those moments in a cartoon where the animated light bulb goes off (laughs) over the character's head, signifying they're about to come up with a really good idea? If you'd been in the room with me that day, you would have seen one appear over mine. As calmly as I possibly could, I walked gracefully back into the kitchen, dropped off the plates, and then literally ran out the front door and down the block to the hot dog cart. I bought a hot dog and ran just as fast back into the kitchen. Now came the hard part, convincing the chef to serve it <laughs> in our fancy fine dining restaurant. Because he looked at me like I'd lost my mind, serving what New Yorkers call a dirty water dog in a fancy four-star restaurant. But I asked him to trust me, and I told him it was important to me. And eventually, he agreed to cut the hot dog up into four perfect pieces, adding a little swish of ketchup and a swish of mustard <laughs> onto each plate and finishing them with a canel of sauerkraut and a canel of relish. Then, before we served at the table their final savory course, which happened to be a honey-lavender-glazed Muscovy duck that had been dry-aged for two weeks, utilizing a (laughs) technique that had taken years to perfect, we brought them their hot dog. I introduced it. To make sure you don't go home with any culinary regrets, a New York City hot dog. Guys, they freaked out. (laughs) I'm not kidding. At that point in my career, I had served thousands of dishes and many, many, many thousands of dollars worth of food. And I can confidently say that no one had ever reacted to anything I served them better than they reacted to that hot dog. Each person said it was not only the highlight of their meal, but of their entire trip to New York. And they'd be telling the story for the rest of their lives. See, that hot dog changed the way I approached restaurants from that point forward. Because up until then, I had been so focused on excellence, on all the little details that go into making a meal great, that I somehow hadn't realized something really important. That in restaurants, our reason for being is to make people feel seen. It's to make them feel welcome. It's to give them a sense of belonging. See, in restaurants, the food, the service, the design, they're simply ingredients in the recipe of human connection. That is hospitality. And I realized if we could be unreasonable in our pursuit of that, we could give people the kind of experiences they would remember forever. It was only then that I realized I wasn't actually in the business of serving people dinner. I was in the business of serving them memories I obsessed over that hot dog. I kept on going back to the experience and trying to figure out what happened that, you know, the whole thing went down. Like what happens that it could happen and what needed to happen so that it could start happening all the time. First, being present, which I get. It's like kind of overused these days. But for me, being present means caring so much about the thing you're doing or the person you're with that you stop caring about all the other things you need to do. And it's essential in delivering unreasonable hospitality. See, so often we have such long to-do lists that we aren't able to slow down enough to actually listen to the people around us, to the things they're saying, and all the things they're not saying. If I hadn't been present at that table, I never would have heard that throwaway line about the hot dog. Second, it required taking what you do seriously without taking yourself too seriously. Way too often in customer service businesses, we let these self-imposed standards get in the way of us giving our customers the thing they actually want. Okay, a hot dog in a four-star restaurant is sacrilegious, (laughs) but look at the way it made them feel. And third, it required the acknowledgement that if what you're trying to do is give people a sense of genuine belonging, one size fits one. Hospitality is about making people feel seen, and the best way to do that is not to treat them like a commodity, but as a unique individual. I really do believe I could have comped that table, a bottle of vintage champagne, and given them a free bucket of caviar, and it would not have had the same impact as that $2 hot dog, because it would not have been specific to them. The hot dog had given us a new true north, and now we had a road map. I started talking about it constantly at staff meetings, telling the team like what led to the gesture and encouraging them to go out into the dining room to find opportunities of their own. And they were just as fired up as I was, and we got started right away, every night finding a few really cool experiences to deliver to our guests. We had unlocked something important. We knew it was working, but we wanted more of it. We wanted to give these kinds of things to almost everyone. We wanted to make it a bigger part of our cult- our culture. And we recognized that we needed to invest in the resources to make that possible. So we added a position to the team, someone whose only responsibility was to help everyone else bring their ideas to life. We called the position the Dreamweaver, named after the iconic song by Gary Wright. You've heard it, even if you don't think you have. I'll help you. It goes something like, Whoa, dream! weaver. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I just had to sing it because that song is actually pretty important to me. It was playing the first time I kissed a girl. It will now be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. You're welcome. (laughs) And with the addition of that position, we were on fire sincerely. Uh, a guest warned us in advance that his dad was more of a Budweiser steak and potatoes kind of guy than Sauternes and foie gras. So the Dreamweavers turned our fancy champagne cart into a Budweiser cart filled with every available type of Budweiser at every bodega in the neighborhood. <laughs> a couple came in to console themselves after their beach vacation flight was canceled. So at the end of their meal, we turned our private dining room into their very own private beach with reclining folding chairs, a ton of sand on the ground, and a kiddie pool filled with water they could dip their feet into while they drowned their sorrows over tropical Mai Tais with those little umbrellas. (laughs) Or a family of four from Spain was in the restaurant. They were in New York on vacation. And while they were eating, the most beautiful thing happened. The kids were looking out our massive windows with wonder. It had started snowing and it was the first time they'd ever seen real snow. The Dreamweaver somehow found a store that was still open at 8 o'clock on a Friday night, and when they left the restaurant, there was a chauffeur-driven SUV waiting to take them to Central Park for the most special nightcap, a few hours of play in the freshly fallen snow. With these gestures and so many more, our guests were obviously happier than ever. But you know what? This is the cool part. So is our team. Because for the first time, they had creative autonomy. They were no longer just helping to execute someone else's vision, serving plates of food someone else had created. They were coming up with their own ideas, and those ideas were affecting the guest experience. They were empowered. But mostly, I mean, we were all just happy because we were making other people really, really happy. There are few things more energizing than seeing the look of complete joy on someone's face when they receive a gift that you are responsible for giving. It can become one of the most beautiful addictions. And as we all found ourselves quickly becoming addicted to going above and beyond for our guests, we found ourselves going above and beyond for one another as well. Now, I'm just going to say this because I'm sure some people are thinking it. Unreasonable hospitality is not just for fancy restaurants. I get it, some of the gestures I just described were quite extravagant. We did hire people onto the team to help us execute them more consistently. But remember, that hot dog only cost $2, and the impact it had was priceless. It does not take a big budget to start infusing this into your culture, because remember, it's not the cost of the gesture that matters, it's how it makes people feel. For most of America's history, we were a manufacturing economy. Now we're a service economy, and dramatically so. More than three-quarters of our GDP is driven by service industries. Globally, it's more than 65%. That means that whether you're in real estate, or retail, or construction, or finance, or insurance, or computer services, you do the same thing for a living that I do. You're in the business of serving other people. And if you start to look closely enough, you will find opportunities for unreasonable hospitality to give people more than they could ever possibly expect all around you. Take real estate agents, for example. Every time I've bought or rented a new apartment, at best, the agent has left me a bottle of sparkling wine in the fridge as my thank you slash congratulations gift. (laughs) At worst, they've just thrown the keys on the kitchen counter. (laughs) Now, this is someone with whom I've spent weeks, if not months, looking together for my new home. If they've been paying attention, they should know every intimate detail of my life. So imagine instead if the first time my wife and I walked into the apartment that we ended up choosing, they overheard her talking about the nook she imagined herself doing yoga every morning. And when we moved in, instead of that obligatory bottle of bubbles, in that nook was a brand new yoga mat with a candle and a note that said, welcome to your new home. I think that would be pretty cool. And compared to the average commission, it's a pretty insignificant investment in what will inevitably become a lifelong relationship. This is not rocket science. It just requires caring a little bit more and trying a little bit harder. Being present, not taking yourself too seriously, and remembering that one size fits one. Just go with me here. Imagine if the person that checked you into the dentist's office started thinking like this. Imagine if the person that sold you your next car started thinking like this. Or better yet, imagine if everyone on your entire team started thinking like this. Because making good products, it's no longer enough. Serving them efficiently is no longer enough. It's how we make people feel that matters most of all because I believe we are on the precipice of becoming a hospitality economy. Listen, unreasonable hospitality helped my restaurant accomplish every single one of our goals, and it turned the people I worked with from a collection of individuals into a trusting team, unlocking a collective creativity and capacity we had never experienced before. So the next time you find yourself pursuing a relationship with someone you work with, or someone you serve, I'm just here to encourage you to try being a little bit more unreasonable. (laughs) Give people that sense of belonging. Give them a memory that can last a lifetime. It will transform your business, but I can also promise you this. It will make you and all the people around you feel really, really, really good. Thank you.
0: Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all in one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy to use software. And the best part about Odoo all Odoo apps are integrated helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's odo dot com slash tedbusiness.
2: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card.
0: Because I think we often forget how small things can bring so much joy to people. We can make a mundane experience amazing for someone. So how can we do this at work? I remember around 10 years ago, I went to a work conference and we did this incredible exercise called a reciprocity ring. Essentially, each person would go to the blackboard, I know I'm dating myself, pick up some chalk, and write down something they needed help with. At the end of this process, that blackboard looked like a hot, blazing mess. But guess what we did next? We'd each take a look at what was written and try to find something we could help with. And it felt so good to be able to write your name down by someone else's need. This ring of reciprocity allowed each of us to feel seen, heard, and supported, connected us in a unique way, and gave us all an opportunity to amaze one another. In some ways, we each acted as dream weavers. I agree with Will's point that you don't need a ton of money to be of service to people. What you need is to listen, be creative, put some pep in your step, and take initiative. And perhaps you can amaze someone in the process. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Kiara Powell and Brittany Brown, and fact-checked by Julia Dickerson. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week. And I know you're wondering, what's Madhupa's word for 2023? Well, you'll have to stay tuned. But if you've got any guesses, send me an email at podcasts at ted.com. And while you're at it, let me know if there are any topics you'd love to hear more about.